Hi, South by Southwest 2023 Music Week. Let's go. Yeah, round of applause. I'm so excited today to be moderating this panel. My name is Michaela Ternaski Holland. I'm an XR creative strategist and impact producer, currently a consultant for Games for Change. Games for Change is a nonprofit that has been around for over 20 years, um, really building the sector of game making and social impact as a way of making real world change. And so they have been expanding that knowledge base to XR since 2017. And some of the work I've been involved in, well, why don't I just show you? Go ahead, let's play the video. So we've been able to take this experience called On the Morning Awake to the End of the World all around the world to showcase the impact that nuclear weapons have on our world today. Um, we've been able to bring it to different institutions like the Nobel Peace Center, um, as well as Times Square and the United Nations. And uh, we are currently working on an ideology around how we can create real-world impact using research and onboarding and aftercare surveys. Um, and we will have a white paper that gets released later this year, as well as a best practices guide for the XR industry. Um, but enough about me. I'm so excited to be joined by these incredible panelists. Andy Thielander, the co-founder and creative director of Active Theory. Diego Prilewski, the head of production and creative at Yume. And Verbal, who is an incredible, incredible multi-hyphenate um, who works in the creative fields of fashion and music and is constantly blurring the lines of what is possible in both the physical reality and the digital reality using technology. So um, why don't we kick it off with Andy. Tell us a little bit about your company, Active Theory, and um, you know what you all are up to right now. Sure, yeah, and uh, hey everyone, and thanks for having me. Um, Andy, I'm the creative director, co-founder of a company called Active Theory. We're a technology innovation studio. Our focus is web technology. Um, so we've been working in kind of the competitive advertising space, building high quality things, campaigns that go along with websites, and all of that work has built into this technology stack that now powers this platform called Dreamwave. Um, so the video I'm going to show you is a chronological history of some of our work. It dates back to about 2012, 2013. We do a lot of work with Google and Spotify. Um, and you can sort of start to see elements of multiplayer, us playing around with virtual reality, iPads, all powered by web technology. Um, the methodology is basically every device can access the same content. So you can see a huge range of stuff. Everything's powered by the same tech. So, Awesome. Diego, tell us a little bit about yourself. You, Hi, I'm uh, Diego. I'm an immersive media producer. I'm a, 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 Head of production and creative at uh, Yum. Yum is a, a deep tech uh, a technology company. Uh, we're focusing on bringing digital humans into uh, the virtual and digital spaces uh, throughout cutting edge AI technology. Um, we've been developing really interesting, um, innovative ways to solve the, the challenge of how you capture yourself and your presence and, and, and transfers that into the other side. Um, I think now we. Uh, with how we are interacting with content and how we are um, uh, bringing new type of experiences uh, has become for us a focus uh, in terms of uh, bringing more into the gaming space and more into the active space. And, and we're seeing a lot of uh, um, beautiful ways to uh, transfer and, and transpass the, the, the performance of someone um, and the value of it uh, as it comes um, into those spaces. Um, technology has been really a breakthrough. We have a, a huge R&D space in, in Tel Aviv, uh, about 50 engineers, half of them are PhDs, um, and we have our headquarters uh, for production and innovation in uh, Los Angeles, um, where we have uh, doing a lot of production as well with, with the team here. 
Uh, and we also have a, a studio in uh, Europe uh, and in Asia, uh, in Japan. Um, and we're expanding a bit more. So we're really looking into um, um, how we bring technology uh, into uh, the production space and the innovation space uh, through the global partners um, and bringing that into the innovation. Awesome. And last but not least, Verbal. Thank you for having me. Um, it's my first time in South by Southwest. A little late to the party, but better late than never. I'm really happy to be here. What's up, guys? Yes. So I'm a musician and also in fashion, uh, and I'm from Tokyo. My creative career started as a rapper in 1999 in Tokyo with my group M-Flow, and then subsequently my group Teriyaki Boys, which was in the uh, sound waves last night. And uh, I also started a fashion brand called Ambush with my wife and partner Yoon in 2008. And somewhere in between, you know, we're dabbling with tech. I got into this, um, you know, I got fascinated with the whole virtual reality space and started working towards doing a show in the space. And that's when I kind of met Andy, um, who was working on a show with uh, Porter Robinson. And, you know, since then I've been uh, working on the virtual space with Ambush. And so, yeah, happy to be here. Well, I think the beauty of music is that it connects everybody, right? It doesn't matter like what culture you're from, it doesn't matter what language you speak, like if there's a beat or if there's a rhythm or there's like a tune that like kind of gets in your system, you can feel connected to people all around the world through music. And you know, usually we need to be in a physical venue, a physical space for something like that. Usually we have to, you know, have like a huge like plane ticket, kind of similar to what we had to do here today at South by Southwest. But I'm interested to hear, you know, the origin story. I think, <laughs> I think uh, Verbal, you hinted at it just a hair, but like music brings us together, but what brought you three together to do this incredible collaboration, sound waves, and like what brought you all to the point where you were like, yeah, let's, let's do a concert in the virtual space and let's make it seamless and frictionless and like people will open up a web app and that's it. Like we're not talking about getting all like kind of bogged down with headsets and like AR and mixed reality. Like let's make it seamless and let's make it like easy and let's like make sure the audience has a blast. So Diego, tell me just a little bit more about this origin story. Yeah, I think that <clears throat> with you, we have been uh, producing for last several years a lot of, um, uh, as I said, the sport and entertainment, but a lot focusing on music as being a, a, a beautiful format that, that brings that type of performance in. Um, we've been doing a lot of AR and VR experiences, um, as well as just traditional film that it comes to taking the advantage of having the ability to bring this digital into uh, editorial and, and create content. Um, and the, the concept of, of real-time and gaming uh, became something strong that we have been focusing on. Um, so that brought a lot of experimental around that area. Um, and then we had the connection with Verbal. We got connected through a mutual friend. Um, as we were working with different type of artists and performances, as we're looking for people that are more in the edge and more open to experiment. Um, and when Verbal came, he says, hey, I have this metaverse that I'm doing. Um, can you put me inside? Uh, and that was like, hmm, interesting. It sounds like, that, you know, we're, we're, I think that the, you talk a lot about the friction point and how it goes. Um, and, you know, when we create a lot of experiences on AR, VR, um, there's a download and there's a type of uh, consumption that is uh, uh, still on the exploratory. And talking about metaverses and more real-time environments um, uh, coming with, with what Verbal showed, do with Andy. 
um, really trigger us to start exploring what we can do together. And, and I don't know, maybe you want to take it from here and from your side when you come in and you saw what's happening. Sure, yeah, just to kind of um, indulge my time because I buzzed through the intro. Um, I debuted as a musician, started my fashion brand, and then um, just to kind of uh, throw this out there, I got fascinated with the use of motion capture suits back in 2012 when I first saw Skrillex do like a DJ set with his upper body. So I was like, how can I do like a show with the whole body? And then I got in touch with X-Sense, which is based in Holland, and it was like a B2B, you know, it was like, um, like a mocap mo suit, like a um, company, but um, I got a hold of two suits, started using it with my group M-Flow on stage, and then that kind of segued me into the idea of doing the live show in the metaverse or in the virtual space. So I was kind of dabbling with that idea 2016, 2017, and then, of course, the pandemic hit, and we really had to do shows inside like a virtual space. And um, around that time, my friend Porter Robinson, who's a musician, was heavily into virtual reality, and he was doing a concert called Second Sky, Secret Sky, back then. And I was introduced to it. He was like, hey, check out my show. Um, you can go into it from your mobile, from your laptop, or with your headset. So I tried all three. I had an amazing time. Um, it was Porter Robinson along with uh, Maddie on, Boys Noise, like a great list of artists and DJs who you would see in like a big festival. And the energy in there was insane. And then the entry into it was so frictionless. I was like, Porter, who's doing your space? And they were like, oh, these are my guys, like Active Theory, Andy. So I was introduced to him. I was like, hey, Andy, can we do something together with my fashion brand. So I was like, of course, like wanted to do something with uh, music, but I was also uh, going into the idea of creating like a space where it blurs the line between fashion and music. So in my um, fashion metaverse, so to speak, virtual space, we can also do music and host music shows. So I was, you know, consulting Andy after the introduction and we were able to launch the space Silver Factory, which you saw earlier. Um, and we were able to launch our uh, NFT pro uh, project in 2022, last year, February. And then afterwards, we launched the space. So it was like a very Web3 integrated space. And um, from around that time, I got to meet uh, Yume's partners uh, who are introducing me to the idea of volumetric capture. I was like, hey, that's so cool, you know, Andy, can we, you know, perhaps like integrate this together? And um, I don't know if you remember some of the conversations we were having around that time. Yeah, I think, um, I think Verbal sort of pieced things together because in order to, for you to pull off something like a live concert, you sort of need a combination of a few different things being the venue, the artist, sort of as much in the flesh as possible, um, but also like the ability to bring that vision to life. So. Um, I think he's sort of found a way to do that together and introduced us. And this is the, the, the demo is essentially the proof that you can do this now. Um, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to live on for the next month or so and just sort of play back to back. But it's, it's just meant to be like this exists now. You can have real people in a, in, a, in, a, in a frictionless space. You know, you can just hit a link, you go straight in, there's no login, it doesn't cost anything. It's using the web for what it's really meant for, you know, sort of like short lived frictionless experiences, you know, all these 
all these walled gardens have logins and downloads and user accounts, and it's just all of those points just mean people get, they fall off, the interest goes away. So. I, I would also add that there's a visual aspect to it mm -hmm. that I think uh, you managed to crack. Um, both of you, I think from, from, from the performance perspective and from the visual perspective, um, I can tell, share with you that as I said, we have explored different platforms to try to integrate volumetric performances and, and, and uh, this type of experiences. And the limitation on the visuals has been a barrier in terms of what comes after. So it's been very kind of technical demos and very concepts that, yes, it looks like it works, but at the end, um, for the mass audience, it, it didn't cut the rough. Um, and, and true to say, when Verbal came to, this, to, to our uh, studio in Hollywood, um, um, Andy came by and he showed some of his demos, and, and I was like, my jaw dropped down. It's just, how can you do all of this in, in WebGL? How can you do this on, on such a frequent platform? Um, and that was really, for me, a trigger to, to kind of um, um, you know, get into this platform much more stronger and start investing much more time and, and really putting something meaningful together, which has been great. Yeah, so just just a little show of hands, you know. This is like a this is a panel, but I kind of want to do a little audience interaction here. How many of you all have seen a music performance in Soundwaves while you've been at South by Southwest? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Not bad. Not bad. So you're probably sitting here being like, "What are they talking about?" Like I have a music maybe background, not so much a tech background. I'm trying to understand what a volumetric thing is. I'm trying to understand what a frictionless web thing is. So, um, so for anyone who doesn't know, volumetric video is 3D capture of a real life person. This is very different than creating like an avatar or creating like a computerized cartoon of an artist. This is the digital twin of the artist, as Yume likes to say. Um, and, and it's really being built on this incredible platform that Andy at Active and Active Theory have been building on, which is called Dreamwave. And, and basically, Dreamwave is the venue. Teriyaki Boys, aka Verbal, is the artist. And now with Yume's very, very cutting edge volumetric technology that allows you to put volumetric captures, because they tend to be very data heavy, they tend to take a long time to render, you're able to do this from the power of your own iPhone or the power of your own laptop. So speaking of being an artist, like Verbal, what does it feel like seeing yourself, like, you know, your digital twin right now playing a concert while you're sitting here having a panel? It's like a little metaversy, right? <laughs> no, I'm like, so this is something that we've been working on for a while. So I'm so happy that we're able to launch this. And this has so many implications for, you know, live shows physically. And then afterwards, let's say fans want to get together in the space and just chat about the concert and maybe like, um, you know, they could be like a back room, like a green room that like the fans can go to in the virtual space and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm, I'm just like a lot of ideas going through my head and, you know, um, hopefully this could become an intro to all the people who are in the entertainment space or even just tech space looking into the entertainment space to have ideas to try to, you know, expand like forms of expression. So yeah, I'm, I'm just super happy to be able to launch and be here with the team. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I just to add on to that, um, there was something that happened that was kind of interesting um, at Secret Sky, which is where Verbal went to. So at Secret Sky, about 150,000 people came through. Uh, about 50,000 of those were on VR. Um, and the show started about midday and ended about 9 p.m. And we didn't really have a plan for when it ended. So we threw up something being like, yeah, the show is over. You can leave now. I came back at about four in the morning to turn it off, and it still had about 40,000 people in it. Um, just they were in these little chat zone circles talking, and people were playing 
music through their aux cord. So it was just like an after party for this thing that, and a lot of these people had been communicating through Discord. They've never even talked to each other before. And now they're sort of like exchanging information and making new friendships. So I think that for us was a really big eye opener that this type of experience, there's, an, there's a want and a need for it. And we just have to sort of build it and people, people can connect. Yeah, and I think the term metaverse and volumetric can be really intimidating for a lot of people, especially if you have a background as a music producer or as a concert venue or as an artist. And so I think what's really interesting about that is like really when we're saying metaverse or virtual space, we're really just talking about a digital venue where your audiences can come and interact with each other and talk to each other and as well as watch their artists. Like that's really what we're talking about, right? It doesn't have to be in a headset. It can be on your phone. It could be on your laptop. And when we're talking about volumetric capture, I think a lot of people here who might be artists are like, I want to sign up for that. How, what is it like? What do I do? So, you know, why don't we show a little bit of what it was like for Verbal and the Teriyaki Boys to be, you know, filmed in a volumetric soundstage, and then Verbal, I would love to hear a little bit from you after we see the video about what your experience was. Yo, we're the Teriyaki Boys. My name is Verbal. I'm a musician and fashion designer from Tokyo, and we're here in the Yume LA studio. All the guys, this is their first time getting scanned and doing anything of this sort. And the song we took today is a song called Tokyo Drift from Teriyaki Boys. That song is, is actually what brought us around the world. It was on the Fast and Furious soundtrack. Everyone made remixes off of it. It created a moment. So for us, it was very important today that we're able to shoot this, not just a music video, but we got scanned and it was really cool. I love the development and I love being in it early with everyone and you know everyone's super helpful. Optimizing our performance in the metaverse. It's almost like, you know, if you perform in a different country or if you perform in certain context. It's the same thing in the metaverse or in this digital space, if you will. Yeah, I was, um, first of all, like happy to be able to shoot this because the, it was hard to bring the guys over. I was like, okay, we're going to scan, capture ourselves. They're like, what do you mean? It's like, um, just, just come to the studio and we'll show you. And then after we uh, shot it and gave them a demo, they were like, ah, oh, that's so cool. And then uh, what Yume would do is give us this um, kind of beta-like platform where you could kind of play around with it on your mobile. And then they were like, oh, wow, you can see it from like all angles. And then we're like, okay, we're going to plant this inside the virtual space and have people come through and watch it. And it's frictionless and like, you know, people could just jump into it like it, they're jumping into a website. So. Um, anyway, yeah, the experience was super smooth. Um, you know, I recommend it to any artists um, to shoot when they're at their peak and best, um, which we were not. Um, so, like, you know, when the, when the <laughs> if if anyone's remotely interested, like, they should just shoot it so that they could, you know, take this into different um, forms, right? Like this time, it was in the virtual space, but what if this was AR? You know, what if you can like do a hologram show, you know, um, I'm, I'm just throwing this out there, no pressure to you guys, but you know, um, I think it could be really fun. There's many ways of expressing this type of performance. So yeah, I was super thrilled. And the guys were really, really excited that they were able to um, get shot 
especially for this um, song because um, we, we, we just, like, this was a song that, like I said in the video, took us around the world, but we never shot a music video for it, but it was, like, the most played song on Spotify, and, like, we never really performed outside of the Japan until recently, so, um, yeah, it was really a moment for us to be able to get volumetrically captured. Yeah, I think you, you touch on the uh, topic of being maybe intimidating, the volumetric capture and the technology, and I think as, as it's very well seen that, um, you know, different from avatars and motion capture, if you heard, or when you see like a, a, an animated look-alike of a performance singing, um, and there's like sensors, and it's very heavy kind of uh, think about, you know, from, from a music producer perspective, from, from the artist perspective, it's very straightforward. It's really coming to the stage on whatever you're, you're used to wearing to a show. Um, Verbal and the guys have been doing this performance for, for a few times already on stage, so for them it was really natural just to give another show on the stage. There was nothing special. I think from our perspective, it was really straightforward. Come in, do the performances that you always... Um, and, and the ability to capture that, it's a bit of a magic, so it's, it's really, I think it's from the experience perspective of producing this, it's really less intimidated if we don't get into the, the technical details of this. Um, and as well, the, the possibility as well to um, bring each performance with the way that they want to be and they want to show, and they move. Uh, those movements transfer very, very directly into, into the experience as well. Um, from other perspective as well, if we specifically on sound waves, it, it was really like um, producing any type of venue show. It was lining up artists, lining up their, their songs, uh, scheduling which one will be, um, working with the artists, what kind of visuals they want to have on the background. So there's a very um, a personal um, um, presence that each artist bring into the show um, that I think is very strong. Um, and I think, again, thanks to, obviously, Verbal being such a great creative and, and, and this platform that really enables the visuals to really transpire in such a good way, I think it's been, um, from, from that aspect, as someone who's producing, if you have here artists or music producers, you should really jump into this because we're now in a stage that um, it's really fluent and smooth um, in, in the way that you can create something uh, emerging in, in these digital spaces. Definitely, and I think what is um, interesting about sound waves, in case we didn't share, it's like this isn't just the teriyaki boys performing. This is, and this is not just one concert. This is almost like a miniature virtual festival happening while South by Southwest is happening, right? So there are many artists who are dropping their volumetric performances into this space over the course of the last few days. Different headliners every night, different opening acts every night. So again, we're not. I don't think the technology, from what I am, from what I understand, we're not trying to like reinvent the wheel of what music does already successfully. We're just trying to figure out the best way to translate that into using these types of technologies to better equip artists, to better equip music producers, to better equip venues, to better equip. You can think of this even as an extension of a music video, right? Just like Diego said, you walk in, you wear what you want to wear. It's a lot of cameras capturing you, but you're not wearing sensors. You're not inhibited. You're not in, sorry, you're not blocking your inhibitions to like want to perform full out for this camera. It's just like as if you were performing for a music video. And so I think these are all the magic sauces of what makes music so magical. And like, it can translate quite easily into technology. So where do you all think this is going? You know, in the next five, 10 years, like what's next? What can we expect from active theory, Yume, verbal, and where you think this technology is gonna take us? 
Yeah. Um, I think the amazing thing about Yume is like it's the real person. Um, we, we do some projects where artists can license out their likeness, but someone else can do the mocap essentially. So the performer is actually not the artist, it's just the skinned. But in this case, it's, it, you can't fake that. It's, it's real. And I think for us, we want to retain that artistic integrity. Um, I think for our platform, we're completely self-funded. We've just been using advertising work to, to essentially build the features and pump it back into the system. Um, so we're trying to eventually make it less custom, less in-house. You know, the, the, the environment took about two to three weeks to, to make. Um, we want to bring that down to two to three days to two to three hours and then give it to people. You know? So that's sort of our plan. And we're just in the process of just optimizing for efficiency, but also retaining creative integrity. You know, there's a, those two things usually go, they, they, they argue with each other because that's why most metaverse platforms are very graphically limiting. You're, you're giving people a, a limited set of tooling um, and a, a high-end brand like Louis Vuitton does not want to make a thing in Roblox. So that's something that we need to, I guess, be mindful of as we start to develop this platform and, and leave it open enough to, for flexibility. Yeah, and I think that's the beauty of Dreamwave is you can do like a really bespoke brand, a really bespoke activation, but then you can also, like you've been, this is exciting for me to hear even as a creator that you're looking at making it more of an open source platform for any person who's like willing to jump in and kind of build their own version of sound waves or build their own version of, you know, a metaverse film or whatever. You don't have to be a music person to be interested in this stuff, right? There's so many other ways we can equip entertainment and other industries with this. Diego, what's next for you? Where do you see all this going? <clears throat> well, I think we're, we're there, there's next that is now. It's been we've been on the next for a couple of years, and and for me this is the now that we've been talking a lot about what's next. So that's very exciting from one side. Um, I think as we go forward, it's definitely much more content. Um, we have been able through through the technology and and this collaboration to really open a door to bring much more experiences in a fluent way. Uh, which I think we're lacking on the digital space. I think it's, it's always been like one or two here and there, and I think it really should be accessible for all artists and all labels to be able to really have their, their extension. Not that it's changing the physical uh, performance or a physical show, uh, but it really enables, you know, if you think about how many people can access a physical show versus how many people can access a digital show, um, you're talking about, you know, half of, half, uh, half of the world, four billion people have internet today. So. Um, and, and thanks to platforms like Dreamwave that really anyone with an internet connection on any device, including, by the way, VR, which you didn't say, but you can now take an Oculus Quest and see exactly Dreamwaves on VR, which is a thing of its own uh, breakthrough. Um, and I think we're, we're jumping there. And, and from the technology perspective, we're bringing um, a lot of accessibility. So we're, we're also um, extending our um, production houses around the world, and as well, we're building some interesting, this is more forthcoming, uh, bringing more accessible technology through the phone that you can capture your likeness and bring into, into virtual spaces and digital spaces. So we're excited. I thought one thing I was really excited, too, about you was I noticed in some of the work that I got to demo was that you would, didn't have to just do it on the soundstage. Like, I saw you all doing these volumetric capture shoots on, an, on a hockey rink, like, an, like, on, like on ice. I was like, how are you doing this on ice? Like, just from a technological perspective, that's amazing. Like, if you can come to the artist, right, you go to the artist's apartment and shoot them in their apartment, like, and you'd still get, like, that crisp, clear digital twin, like, that to me is also next level as far as what we've 
we've in the tech world have been kind of handcuffed because volumetric capture stages have to be so expensive and so massive and so big and it's so hard to get people to come to them. So like, I'm also seeing some really interesting transportable solutions that Yume is building too. Definitely, I, I, uh, it's a big, specific for me, before in the past I, we had a huge stage was really being able to move and um, now with, with the new technology, as you said, it's really portable and accessible and, and uh, really um, excited about uh, bringing new creative and performances into this digital space. And Verbal, from your perspective as an artist, but also like in fashion and in music, and you just trying to continue to, to blur these lines, as I like to say, uh, between physical and digital connection of people and fans and people who buy into your fashion brand. Like, where are you seeing all this going? What are you excited for? What's next? Well, to your point, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel necessarily because all these components, elements have been there. But as it becomes more accessible, I think it has implications for some of the younger generations to be able to express their products or their creations in better ways. So, you know, you touched up on fashion. So what if there's a f young fashion designer who doesn't have enough capital, but they're able to create like a beautiful space, beautiful collection, and they have a portfolio that they can show inside like a virtual space, and they're like, hey, can I show you my work? It's like, oh yeah, send me the PDF. Better, I'll send you a link. And then in the space, you can roam around, look at the whole collection. Maybe you can have volumetrically captured models walking. You can have your friends do that. And if that could be done, like you were saying, like on mobile device, you know, that'd be amazing. Like you were like, wow, okay, so that's how the dress flows, that's how the jacket fits. And taking it even a step further, if that be could become a wearable, I mean, it's game over, right? I mean, like um, that could have, um, you know, economic uh, implications as well in different ways. So um, it's, it's the, the possibilities are endless and um, I'm super excited uh, to be able to, you know, just keep pushing this forward and um, as, Many people start jumping in and pitching in ideas. I think uh, you know this could you know get go to the next level. I mean, we're already using the term digital native, right? I'm sure we're all in this space. Like, I've got this two-year-old niece who already knows how to use an iPad. I've got this like you know 18-year-old kid who knows how to do seven more things on the iPhone than I even knew existed. Like, that's called a digital native generation, right? Like, they are already being equipped, just kind of like how we were like oh yeah, we know what the internet is, or like we kind of grew up with the internet, and it's not like we have to rethink it, and first people sometimes in different generations, they're still struggling to figure out what an internet-like connection is and how to access the internet, right? Like, so there's this digital native generation that's moving forward, and, and what I'm seeing on this stage and what I'm seeing in sound waves is just really like, you all are opening up the door for that digital native generation to express themselves creatively, to express themselves through technology, to express themselves to really bring people still connected together through music, through fashion, and through any other creative art that you are passionate about out there. So I just want to give a shout out. We have one more performance in Soundwaves, 8 p.m. tonight. So feel free to check it out, soundwaves.world. Um, and before we wrap up this panel, I would love to open it up to questions from the audience. Um, so yeah, if you have a question, I think you can head over to the mic. It's right there in the middle. Yeah, just so that we're not struggling to hear you, I think, too. That would be great. Um, and I'm just doing a quick time check. We have about six minutes. So we might get to get through, yeah, everyone who's standing up, perfect. If we have one more person who would like to join, you're welcome to join now, and then I think we're gonna have to wrap questions after that. All right, go ahead. Awesome, thank you for the panel, guys, that was great. 
Um, so I'd be really interested to hear your perspective on like hybrid experiences and kind of like what kind of infrastructure and technology do we need to have in the actual venues and then how does that translate to bringing that person into the metaverse experience and being able to interact with, you know, or bringing their digital twin in, um, yeah. Oh, and a second, second question, um, accessibility. What are your thoughts and like strategies or perspectives on, you know, these are large scale events, but you know, working on events, on a small scale events at scale to bring people into the industry and understanding it. Um, just finding like, you know, there's a financial barrier for smaller towns and smaller cities. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear your perspectives on that. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, we're, we're trying to make it as cheap as possible. Uh, unfortunately, it, on the Yoom side, it's very expensive to process volumetric capture. And on our side, it's expensive for us to hand code everything. So we're trying to automate that process as much as possible, which eventually brings the cost down and can those costs can be passed along to the user and then it, they can make it themselves. Um, the the accessibility, accessibility standpoint, well, I guess the, the first question was about hybrid festivals. So we did, we did something for, so Secret Sky was a virtual concert. There was a Second Sky, which is a real concert. So at, when they brought back Second Sky, we also brought back Secret Sky, which ran alongside it. Both, both festivals ran alongside each other. At Second Sky, we had a big screen that people could go up to, and what it was was a mirror into the virtual world. So sort of combining those two realities together. So right now, you can live stream directly in. This exists. You can have hybrid content. Um, on the volumetric side, it, it's a little bit, they need to process the data, which takes time. But eventually, using a mobile phone, that can be instantaneous, and you can merge those two realities pretty seamlessly. So it's getting there. Um, and I would just add that you know, there's, there's levels as well, as you said, in terms of uh, shows or performances. Obviously, Soundwave is something that we have invested a lot because we, we really wanted to show what's, what's the big picture of this. Um, but I think you have also some templates and, and more accessible kind of venues that, that can be uh, democratized more. And, and as well, we're bringing also the technology more to the mobile phone and more accessible for people to, even indie musicians, to be able to have some kind of a presence on, in, in, in a small scale at least. But definitely, that's the direction. And a lot of the artists you all worked with on Soundwaves are smaller indie yeah. up, com, coming up artists who kind of like all collectively were like, yeah, we want to do this, right? So it's already being put to those indie artists, not like these big name, well-known. Yeah, totally. I think it's, it's uh, for us at Yume, is really working with artists like, like Verbal and artists that are more in the, in the uh, uh, innovation space and, and open for, for new type of experiences. And um, that's really what the cutoff, um, as, as the scale, as you're saying, is really, uh, um, uh, we have big artists like Verbal, we have also indie artists. It's, it's really a variety. Awesome, thank you. Next. So thanks very much, first of all. Uh, really amazing panel, and it's uh, interesting to see where this technology is going because uh, I first heard of it uh, from the Intel Dome. That was in California, I guess. They closed it down again, and then I saw these Balenciaga guys doing this game for the, for the collection. Um, and I was wondering, because I come from a commercial producer and music video producer side, um, the portable stages, uh, what are we talking about? How many cameras do you need? How long does it take to build this thing up? Is it like the truck portable thing, or do you have to have like a venue and like have a week prep or something like that for Diego? Probably? Everything, uh, everything comes back into suitcase. There's about uh, five, six suitcases and a few computers, but it's really uh, portable and mobile. 
Um, as it comes to the size that you need, um, it's really variable. You need enough space to have a, a small performance, but it's, it's really flexible and accessible. And, and you brought the dome, you know, 100 degrees the other side, right? So, uh, and, and it's about uh, 40 different cameras and sensors, but it's really small cameras connected to, to pods. Um, you, we have deployed, and, and, and uh, Michaela brought the Daily Kings, which we did there um, a, a production on the ice. Um, and we deployed the system in about 24 hours, um, and that was in. Uh, we did two days of shoot, and the system was out in another half a day. Um, so we really have cracked that in a very accessibility way. And, and <laughs> that, will that will open some doors, I guess, because I'm from advertising, you know? So uh, let's go. <laughs> be, ready, let's be, ready, go. be ready for that. Yeah. So is there any limitation if, you, if people are standing close to each other because you have cameras and they're covering each other or something like that? Yes, I think it's a, a, for example, with Verbal, we work with each one of the artists capturing separately um, in the center. That brings much more uh, a full coverage, as we'd say, from the visuals. And then we, we combine basic after in the space. Um, it also brings also some kind of flexibility because um, we had the ability with Andy to kind of play around and say which, where each performance will be. Um, so it also comes as, as something positive. Amazing. Thanks. I'm just going to jump in, though, and toot a little bit more of Yum's horn, because I'm a huge fan. They've also cracked the code on how to make these volumetric captures, being able to make them uh, be lit in different spaces, which I think a lot of volumetric captures I see are very rigid. Like, once you shoot them, that's all you have, but they have an incredible pipeline that lets you light them to a specific stage or to a specific environment. They have an incredible um, workflow to be able to allow you to change what you're wearing. So say you're like, I only had this t-shirt today, but I would love to wear this t-shirt in my, in my next shot. They do have the the technology to switch out. It takes a little bit, right? It's a little bit like hand stitching, but they have the technology to take off your shirt and put on a new shirt, which, again, we have never had that level of flexibility with volumetric capture as well. Uh, and I will add also that Andy invented something beautiful, which is on waves. You can see we're relighting the volumetric captures, as you said, but we're using the, the videos that the artist brought. So it's really a, it comes all together very, very nicely. Um, and the actual visuals that the performance bring together, that's what relight the performance and bring a really, really good show. Yeah. Thank you, Andy. Great job, Andy. <laughs> Next question. So this question is mostly for verbal. Um, artists know it's all about expression. It's about how do you get the user to feel, your audience to feel. Not every song gets a music video, unless you think you can make them feel more, you can express more. Not every song you put in the concert list, unless you think the concert's going to help them feel more, you can express more. What about this technology did you find was improving your self-expression and what do you think people were feeling more? And if you can build on it, what do you think artists who are now looking at this are, what's the note you're gonna give them? Because you've now done it. You've got advice for the next artist to go, this is what I leaned into, and this is what you should be thinking about as you go into this space. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I fell in love with the whole virtual space doing a live show in, and when I discovered volumetric capture, I was like, wow, you can go close to your favorite artist from different angles and check you know, him or her out on you know, any platform. Um, like I said, like it could be like an AR, it could be like hologram, hologram in the future. Um, and I think it would allow for more conversation and interaction amongst fans. It's like, oh, did you see this from this angle and that angle? And I think it's already exciting as it is when you watch a live show in a physical venue. But as I was mentioning earlier, 
what if after like the physical show, the fans get together in the virtual space and you know view that show again from different angles? Like me, I'm a fan of many artists. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, did you see that part when you know? And did you see that dance? You know, from this angle, that angle. I think um, it would um, just create more excitement, and engagement uh, through this technology, and um, hopefully people could discover more. Like we 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 were just like doing this one uh, one song. Um, but if there's more dance elements to it, something more, um, some more entertainment aspects to it, I think it could, uh, you know, um, you could take it even further in terms of engagement and you know communication with the fans. Thank you. Next question. Hello, uh, my name is Victor. Uh, I work uh, under Rolling Loud for their Web Three Loud Punks team, which is a lifetime pass. You're going to be at our Rolling Loud show in Thailand with Teriyaki Boys. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, Rolling Loud. Yeah, next month. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, this this is created as a lifetime pass, but the obvious next step that we've already heard about and already started talking about is web uh, metaverse festivals, basically. That's the obvious future. Um, I've actually, that's kind of one of the things that I've been interested in and worked in. I did an uh, artist set for Marshmallow. Um, uh, Ozzy Osbourne did a whole festival there. One of the big issues, first of all, from the business side is like the cost, which y'all kind of touched on that a little bit, trying to keep it as low as possible. But on the other side of that is um, the bandwidth problem of like graphics cards and stuff when you're, some computers might not be up to par. Anytime we've had these types of events, like I, half the people can't get in. How have y'all kind of tackled that problem for the first part of my question? Andy. Yeah. Um, no, it's a good point. Um, I think that's like because we're playing in the web, we have such a limited graphical budget, which is an interesting c constraint to play with. Um, all of the visuals that you saw in that Teriyaki Boys concert is powered by the video. The video is basically controlling everything. We put it onto everything. So the artist can basically just control the video if they want. Um, we're also looking into ways to transcode DMX into a, a, a file format that we can read from, almost as like a live stream. So it can go alongside both photometric capture as well as video visuals. So artists can bring their entire artist team. They can use a workflow that they're familiar with. Nothing needs to change. We can just translate that into a virtual context. And then our job is basically to deliver that to people so that someone on the other side of the world can access it with their four-year-old mobile phone on, a, and on, a LTE, on an LTE connection. So that, that's, that's kind awesome. of, yeah. I, I was in one of the events, and it was pretty easy to hand on my phone, so it seems like y'all got it pretty figured out. Uh, so that's awesome. The second part of my question is, um, so like I said, we work independently myself outside of Rolling Loud with artists who are dabbling in it. I've um, been very low budget, of course, which we had bandwidth problems and stuff like that. But um, more and more artists are interested in Web3 and Metaverse. So what were your kind of hesitations before jumping in and kind of how, what, what made you overcome that and decide, okay, I'm gonna, you did mention like you've seen some of the stuff, but did you have any other hesitation or reservations that I can kind of use when I'm talking to artists of, let's do this, let's get in here and create some events. Uh, yeah, maybe, I, yeah. Um, so for me, um, as for Web3, um, my segue into it was actually through, you know, my kind of exploration in the virtual space, like doing a live show in. And then during the pandemic, everybody was talking about NFTs, I was like, I didn't get it at all. I was like, what's the blockchain? But then I was like, wow, you can token gate rooms? 
and you could put wearables on top because I'm doing fashion, right? And I was like, that's so cool. And I started getting into different um, digital assets that allowed that, and the utilities were so much fun. I was getting into it so much, like pretty much like buying into all the projects that gave me the, you know, you know, gave me like a perspective and view on how this could be used in the space. And I was like, wow, then that could be like a ticket, you know? That could be like a ticket with a, like, we could put that show on top of the NFT and then like give it to someone as a gift or something. And, you know, so those are some of the ideas that people could, you know, that's a technology people could leverage uh, once in the future, you know, having volumetric capture will become uh, a little bit more accessible and creating, you know, as Andy was mentioning, uh, you know, the, uh, like a virtual space metaverse would be um, a little bit more accessible as well. So, you know, I, th I think it just starts with everybody building and uh, working towards like a goal. So in the future, it would be cool to have kids just be like, hey, we just made this super cool festival in the virtual space. And then that's the idea for the physical, right? And then people could buy into the idea. So, um, yeah, right now it's, you know, in the works. But I think um, the future is really close. That's awesome. So it sounds like exposure, being exposed to it is really what drew you in. I love that. Thank you all so much. And our final question. Thank you. Hi, Victor um, from Ad Agency in Montreal. Big week. Sorry for the voice. Um, first, kudos for that demo, the sound waves. I mean... That was impressive. Just scanned the QR code and within 20 seconds I was roaming and running people. That blew my mind. So big kudos to you. Um, my question is, from the marketing and advertising side, I get the entertainment value, obviously. We've all seen the Fortnite experience and all that, and I think it's great. It does seem like we're a bit late to the party on the marketing side. Um, and I was kind of wondering, why do you think that's so? Um, I mean, it, it's, it's exciting for sure, but it doesn't seem like for us it's a, it's a reality or something we go to. And I was just curious to hear your thoughts as to why you believe uh, we're late to the game. I mean, I'm yeah. from the advertising space. We work a lot with agencies and brands. Uh, I think the relationship between agencies or, and how they can onboard brands into this sort of space can change a little bit. I think um, Verbal actually connected us with an agency, and they sold in a Reese's Puff activation, which rebranded their digital space with Reese's Puff branding. The experience was then you turned into a little spoon and you were shrunk down on a tabletop and you would run and the goal was basically to deliver puffs into a big person's head. So it was kind of a silly experience, but it existed within their experience. So it's almost like if you consider their space a venue, this is almost like an activation inside that venue. So you, you, can, you can build microsite experiences, short-lived advertising stuff on, on, the, on top of these destinations as we make it. Cool. Awesome, thank you. Yeah. I think that's a wrap for us, but um, we'll, we'll stick around, um, and I guess we'll be down on the stage. We might get kicked out of the space, but thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.